We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Earlier this week, Claire Tippins shared a princess nickname generator, three pictures of her dog wearing a tutu, and two online quizzes, including what candy is your dream castle made of? Claire, your sharing has tipped the sugar scale and turned into oversharing. But have no fear, princess. Geico has something worth sharing with your internet kingdom, like how you can save hundreds on your car insurance just by visiting geico.com. No magic wand required. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. I'm Adam Eichstead, joined today as usual by Jake Letarski. You can follow us both on Twitter at Adam Eichstead and at JakeSkeet52. This is our final Tuesday episode of the season. The podcast will be back Friday, January 2nd, which will be a playoff preview focusing on DFS, playoff pools and predictions, probably a few topics 
focusing on the season as a whole as we look forward. But today's podcast will be focused on the top waiver wire pickups of the 2014 season, kind of a look back, as well as some strategies used to help recognize these types of values moving forward. A reminder, this podcast always available for subscription on iTunes and Stitcher. So please leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on those platforms. Well, as is usual, Jake, on these Tuesdays, we do give a quick recap of the Monday night affair and Final Monday night game of the season. It was actually a good one last night. Uh, Broncos falling at Cincinnati 37-28. Most of the conversation going to be centered around Peyton Manning and his four-interception evening, one return for a touchdown, a pivotal one late in the ball game. Peyton Manning did get over 300 yards, 311 on 28 completions, 44 attempts, a couple of scores. There was some concern going into this game, though he's not really had Peyton Manning like numbers the last few weeks coming in. Yeah, there's always that chance. We thought, you know, we've been seeing Denver offense kind of slightly transitional, almost a run first option. And uh, and now when they had to come out and throw the ball because they were behind, it, it just all of a sudden uh, it didn't work out so great for him. It wasn't a total disaster from a fantasy perspective. He still had a 300-yard game, had a couple touchdowns. If you're taking away points for interceptions that, you know, kind of brings you down to the 15 20 point range but it's not like he put up uh, an Andrew Luck day like in week 16 so yeah like I said not a total disaster but uh, I don't know I think overall I'm just a little bit concerned about uh, I guess the Broncos because you never want to back your way into the playoffs in this league you, the teams that win championships always go into the playoffs hot and if uh, hopefully Peyton Manning we'll see uh, how all the seeding and everything plays out but uh, hopefully he gets some work in week 17 and uh, is able to at least show some some signs because he has struggled in the playoffs in the past outside of that uh, one Super Bowl win. Obviously, with this many points combined with these two teams, you're going to have some nice offensive outings. Uh, C.J. Anderson running the ball for the Broncos. 18 carries, 83 yards, one touchdown. Also, eight catches for 55 yards. So, especially in a PPR league, you really cashed in on C.J. Anderson. Emmanuel Sanders. He continues to play well as of late. Six catches, two of which went for touchdowns, 70 yards total. And Demarius Thomas, seven catches on 14 targets, 115 yards. Did not score, though. But again, big offensive outputs from uh, several uh, weapons on that Denver side. Yeah, I would I would bet that Manny Sanders was definitely on a few uh, championship teams this year. Did have an excellent year. I'll produce uh, Wes Welker in every facet of the game. That was kind of the comparison, and the right. two had a similar average draft position. Demarius Thomas, I still think he heads into next season as possibly the number one, or at the very least, the top three wide receiver. He started out a little bit slow, but has been overall consistent and helped fantasy owners that were using him. Julius Thomas was... You, he, you know, everyone thinks of him as a top five tight end, but he really hurt fantasy owners towards the end of the year, not only with the injury, but he was, of course, very tempted. And I'm guessing most people that had him used him this week and was just not able to produce, wasn't the most efficient two catches on six targets and uh, just not seeing the same red zone looks that we were accustomed to after that super hot start for Denver. By the way, in week 17 to wrap up the season, Denver at home against uh, Oakland. On the other side, last night, Andy Dalton gets that much-needed primetime victory last night. Did throw for just 146, two touchdowns and an interception. So the numbers 
don't really jump out at you, especially if you were an adult and owner and needed some production here this weekend. But uh, from a reality standpoint, got the job done enough to pick up a, a crucial win for the Bengals, get him into the postseason. But it was really Jeremy Hill who carried the day, literally 22 carries, 147 yards and a touchdown last night. He really stood out. Yeah, he continues to stand out as he's slowly starting to take this role over from Giovanni Bernard. And Hill, he kind of got going with the bang with uh, just over 10 minutes in the first quarter, ran one uh, 85 yards, and that really kind of set the tone for the game. So if you look at the rest of his carries, if you take out that 85-yard run, the average may not be great, but the big run allows him to finish with a 6.7 average. And, and, and you look to him and compare him to Giovanni Bernard, who carried the ball just eight times for 36 yards, but he, of course, is the Bernard, of course, is the much bigger factor in the passing game, catching all five of his targets for 45. And he caught a 22 yard receiving touchdown from Dalton. So you kind of wonder what to make of this backfield situation for week 17 and even uh, next year moving forward. And I almost start to uh, look at New Orleans. I think uh, there's a, a pretty parallel comparison between what Hill and Bernard are doing to what at least New Orleans wants to do with Mark Ingram and Pierre Thomas. Pierre Thomas still getting a few carries, but. Um, but primarily the PPR type guy who's getting the screen passes and uh, and, and those types of plays. Uh, another similar situation would be almost LeGarrette Blunt and Shane Vereen in New England, where Jeremy Hill would, of course, be the LeGarrette Blunt, gets the most of the carries, gets the rushing touchdowns, and racks up more rushing yards. But Vereen is there for third downs and uh, passing game situations while still getting a few carries on his own. So I think that that's a pretty accurate comparison that we can model this off of uh, moving forward and looking ahead to next year. The other big storyline where it comes to the Bengals, of course, looking at the health of A.J. Green, their talented wideout. No catches last night, was targeted four times but had a apparent bruised bicep in the first quarter that limited him, obviously, uh, throughout the, the rest of the night. Um, now you look ahead to Week 17. They've got a game that's been flexed this Sunday night. It's a pivotal game. They'll take on uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, again, this is one of those situations. Keep it tuned to, to rotowire.com and all the podcasts to see what exactly is happening. But what do we expect from A.J. Green the rest of this season? And even looking further beyond, it's been a roller coaster ride this year for him. Yeah, well, I'm assuming that Clay and DVR will, will mention him on uh, Friday, so heading into the week. But this game that the Bengals play with uh, the Steelers, uh, it's it's for the AFC North division. So it's a big game. That's why it got flexed to the Sunday night game. Right. And what that really does is hurt any fantasy owners that are playing Week 17 because you're, you're going to be kind of out of luck when it comes to finding a replacement if he is a surprise inactive. And, of course, he says he expects to play, but how many athletes have we heard say, oh, yeah, I'm going to play, but then when the tests come back and, and the medical staff, gives their input that starts to go uh you know maybe down the drain but you know on paper a bruised biceps you'd think uh with a game this meaningful he will suit up uh, of course barring any setbacks it's not like he needs to have a a full week of practice to get into the game but nonetheless a situation worth monitoring if green can't go there are a few other uh kind of situations to take a look at of course uh Mohamed Sanu picked up the slack uh, earlier in the right. year we're going to talk about this a little bit more later when we talk about waiver wire uh I guess uh, awards are the best pickups of the year but uh however Jermaine Gresham is also going to be back in this mix here for Cincinnati and uh he wasn't much of a factor earlier in the year dealt with his own bumps and bruises but uh he led the team in targets last night 11 targets caught nine of those so pretty efficient only turned that into 62 yards but he's always a threat down in the red zone area and will be someone that Dalton looks to help move the chains perhaps and uh yeah so Gresham leading the, the way with 11 targets and then the second highest targets were Giovanni Bernard who had just five so those of you who were counting on Snoo earlier 
maybe not so much in week 17 if you need it uh possibly a couple other options to look for and and uh of course then I just want to throw out there, Cincinnati defense had a, had a pretty strong game for owners that were still using them, although it wasn't really the logical play going <laughs> against Denver. They did score a touchdown, had four interceptions, of course, and two sacks. You don't really expect that from a defense going up against Peyton Manning, but uh, perhaps uh, Cincinnati could give Ben, or, I'm sorry, give ben Roethlisberger some trouble in uh, Week 17. So a situation to monitor for those, uh, for those leagues that do play Week 17 of action. Yeah, they certainly came out, helped uh, obviously solidify that needed win for the Bengals. All right, let's move on now to the real topic and theme of the day, and that's, as you mentioned, some waiver wire awards, the, the biggest pickup by position in 2014. And as we usually do, Jake, let's start with quarterbacks. And Ryan Tannehill in Miami, not on many folks' draft boards when we began this season way back in September, some of your drafts in August. Um, you look at what he ended up doing, though, finishing most formats, a top 10 quarterback, more than 3,700 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, an outstanding year for Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, absolutely helped uh, a lot of fantasy owners, and he was available to pick up in a decent amount of formats. Of course, two quarterback formats, he's gone off the board. Right. But he was barely in the top 20 in most draft boards, at least in, a, in average draft position, we were, when we were starting to look at this prior to the season. And, of course, he finishes a top 10 quarterback. And with a lot of these awards, we're going to look at when their breakout game was and how you can take those and, and maybe extrapolate it a little bit moving forward. But I would argue that week one was his breakout game. He went out right away, uh, came out against a very tough New England pass defense, and threw two touchdowns, completed two passes of 20 or more yards. We kind of knew from then on that he might end up being okay. And he's thrown multiple touchdown passes in eight of 15 games this season. So if you picked him up because you maybe took a middle-of-the-road quarterback and were playing matchups a little bit, chances are you got to profit off of some of these. And maybe uh, maybe you got one or two of his three touchdown games. Of course, Week 16 leaves a good, fresh impression in, you know, that uh, we're looking at there with the four-touchdown game against Minnesota. And... Uh, Again, he's a guy that's not going to win you a championship on his own, uh, as opposed to maybe Andrew Luck did this year. But he's a valuable piece and uh, definitely has a place uh, in fantasy rosters. And and lastly, with these guys, we want to look ahead to next year a little bit. And I'm still going to keep him in the top 10, just on the edge of it. Uh, there's a few reasons be- behind that. Uh, the Dolphins announced that Joe Philbin would be back for another year. So right. Tannehill doesn't have to learn another offense. So he can only go up this year. And then we started to see towards the end of this year, Jarvis Landry emerge, especially as a PPR option. And uh, I think with him in the mix, Lamar Miller uh, presumably heading into next season healthy and uh, even possibly uh, getting no Sean Moreno. I know they signed him on a short-term deal, so there's something to look at. But uh, he's still got the weapons. He'll have another year of experience, same group of guys. And uh, I, I could see him. I mean, if you're in a 12-team league, there, there's going to be at least one team out there that's going to count on starting Tannehill every week. I also want to mention some honorable mentions for uh, top quarterback pickups. And not many saw Mark Sanchez being productive at any point this season, especially with the Eagles. He did for a good stretch uh, perform well. Also, Derek Carr out in Oakland. So guys that, again, progressing maybe to having uh, higher draft prospects, again, looking ahead to 2015 moving on now to running backs and there's a trio to highlight here we actually we already talked about one Jeremy Hill with the Cincinnati Bengals we'll get a little bit back to him but we got to start with Justin Forsett out of Baltimore an 1100 yard rusher with eight touchdowns this season also a factor in the passing game right behind him though not far behind is CJ Anderson who came on about midway through this season uh, for the Denver Broncos as they started to battle some injury woes with guys like Monty Ball 
Through 16, or week 16, he had 166 carries for 762 yards, five touchdowns. So, and again, we mentioned Jeremy Hill. Three guys that really just blasted on the scene this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of all three guys, Jeremy Hill was really the only one that uh, had a slight chance of being drafted in the later rounds this year. Otherwise, Justin Forsett probably wasn't touched. Uh, and uh, same thing with C.J. Anderson. He was buried on the depth chart at the beginning of the year. And uh, I just want to look at some of these breakout games. Justin Forsett, now keep in mind, he's had some of his worst games of the year the last two years. So, yeah, unfortunately hasn't helped many fantasy owners in the playoffs. But he got a lot of fantasy owners there, and that right. definitely deserves credit in its own. And he finishes the year as a top 10 running back in both regular and PPR formats. I took a look at that, and he really started to come onto the scene. You know, week one, Bernard Pierce was a little bit banged up, and uh, he ended up getting the majority of the workload then. But then, after the whole Ray Rice saga unfolded, it became a toss up in Baltimore as to who was going to take this. So he was for set. Bernard Pierce, Lorenzo Taliaferro, who was the preseason rushing leader, I believe. I mean, it shows how, how little you can take that into account, those numbers. But overall, he won the job and caught himself a fair share of passes out of the backfield. And looking ahead to next year, I like... Uh, I mean, I like Forsett as a top 15 running back. I, I, he'll probably be gone in rounds three or four. I don't see all, all of a sudden Pierce or Taliaferro rising up. The biggest threat might be if they draft someone because, of course, the lifespan of a running back is very short. C.J. Anderson, on the other hand, probably he is arguably the fantasy MVP if the season lasted from just weeks 10 to 16 because he broke out in week 10, had, a, had 90 yards rushing, Four catches for 73 yards and a receiving touchdown, and then he just kept up the consistent production mm-hmm. moving forward. And, uh, of course, th- the overall stat line, you know, 762 yards, uh, five touchdowns, 32 catches, 304 yards, that didn't really start going uh, consistently until about week 10. Maybe had a few carries, passes sprinkled in there before then. But uh, C.J. Anderson carried a lot of people to fantasy championships if you were able to jump on him early enough. And uh, looking ahead to next year, his status is... Very much hard to say. Like if uh, if you tell Dream Camp that uh, that he's kind of going to be the number one guy on the depth chart, he arguably ascends to roughly a second rounder. But I'm always very cautious with Denver running backs because remember both Ronnie Hillman, uh, Monty Ball, they're both going to be back from injury and presumably in the mix. However, Denver running backs have not had much job security in the past couple seasons. They always came in with Monty Ball number one. Then Sean Moreno took it away, and then this year it seemed like Hillman was taking it away more so due to injuries. So it's uh, you, you want to be a little bit Larry with uh, Denver running backs, but C.J. Anderson is really the total package, especially in a PPR due to his pass-catching ability. And um, you have to consider him second, third round next year, provided everything kind of stays the same, no playoff injuries, nothing like that. And uh, you know the status quo maintains looking into next year, of course. Don't want to talk too much more about Jeremy Hill. We already touched on him in our Monday night recap, but he'll be just outside the top 10 as well. So these guys are both, they both finished in our final end of season cheat sheets as top 10 backs, but outside of Hill, hardly any of them were taken this year. So uh, those are the guys that really won some people leagues this year. I know uh, the champion of of the league that I commissioned had Jeremy Hill carrying him this week, as well as throughout the playoffs. Honorable mentions at the running back position. Some other guys that came on the scene a little bit this year. Trey Mason, Matt Asiata, Brandon Oliver. Again, guys you're all going to want to likely keep an eye on as we head to 2015. I want to take a moment to thank uh, our daily 
podcast sponsor, and that is DraftKings.com. Most of our full-on fantasy football seasons, Jake, they have wrapped up, but that doesn't mean you got to stop playing fantasy football. You can continue every single week at DraftKings.com. It is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you can win enormous cash prizes, again, every single week. Take all this research that you do by listening to us, by checking out rotowire.com, turn it into instant cash on a weekly basis at DraftKings.com. Again, some examples. Last year, one player turned 11 bucks into 4000 just in one weekend. Another one, 100 grand, his first ever time playing. And this year alone, we've had six players win a million dollars in a single day, all from playing fantasy football, and all by doing so at DraftKings.com the season leader in one week of fantasy football. So head over to DraftKings.com. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry today. DraftKings.com. Bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. And again, be sure to enter ROTOWIRE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Again, Adam Eichstead joined by Jake Letarski. We're handing out our waiver wire pickup awards of 2014, the top per position uh, waiver wire pickups of the season. We'll hit now the wide receivers and no real argument here. I mean, he's been really the storyline in some folks' minds of the NFL the second half of the season. That's the rookie Odell Beckham for the the Giants. He's made spectacular catches. He's put up ridiculous numbers. Through Week 16, 79 catches on a, for 1,120 yards, 11 touchdowns. And again, he missed early portions of the season coming into the year. Yeah, Week 5 was like the first time he played. So, uh, And of course, maybe a little bit of a slow start there. But he is arguably the 2014 fantasy MVP all around. If you picked him up and started him consistently and kept your faith in him, chances are you, as long as you made the playoffs, you probably got a long ways in there. And he, the reason he was a pickup in the first place is because he had that lingering hamstring injury during camp, lingered into the few... Uh, first few weeks of the season that caused him to be undrafted had he played in the preseason which he he hardly saw any action we might have seen some of that raw skill set and he might have uh, moved up draft boards a little bit but he was relatively unknown and uh, really emerged in a big way in my opinion he broke out week seven against the Cowboys and he although he only had four catches for 34 yards Two of them were touchdowns, and we right. kind of knew right then that Eli Manning was going to look his way in the red zone. Before that, Larry Donnell was a big-time red zone target. He even had three touchdowns that one game. Eli was constantly going to him in the red zone. But then all of a sudden when Beckham was at his disposal and, and that athletic ability, ability to make sideline catches, leaping, one-handed catches, uh, it just he blossomed and really grew into his own. And of course, then he has, you know, the catch of the season, week 12, the catch of possibly all time, week 12 against the Cowboys. So looking ahead to next year, he's a he's a late first round, early second round option, I think. And uh, Chris listed is a little bit of a mock draft looking ahead to next year's draft boards, had him as the very last pick of the first round. And I'm very much in agreement there. Uh, there's only a handful of receivers I like more. And it's more of the safe guys, Demarius Thomas, Kelvin Johnson. Jordy Nelson, Julio Jones, of course, when he's fully healthy, is one of the best, and Antonio Brown. So he's just outside the top five maybe, but he's a top ten wideout, wide out, and you can probably get him in the second round next year. I would have absolutely no problem with that. Other mentions are guys to mention of note. Brandon LaFell, again, another guy with a slow start for New England, but really came on. He's uh, so far got 883 yards and seven touchdowns. And we already mentioned again a little bit out of Cincinnati, Muhammad Sanu and what he was able to do, especially for any owners of A.J. Green when he started to deal with some injuries. And if you were able to pick up Sanu, I'm sure it certainly helped 
not only keep you alive, but maybe even push you into the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. Both of these guys uh, were probably replacements for other guys. If you were a, a Danny Amendola or an Aaron Dobson guy, you probably made the switch to LaFell at some point because you were watching the situation closely. And the same goes for Sanu. Uh, he was really the savior if you were able to get him as far as A.J. Green owners go, because A.J. Green eventually rebounded to have a couple of the games that you would expect one of the top fantasy options to have. But Green did miss weeks six through eight. And in weeks six through eight, Sanu rebounded with uh, 18 catches for 299 yards and two touchdowns. Of course, a lot of that coming in that breakout game. Uh, well, I guess week five against New England was when he really showed that he could be the the number two option uh five catches 70 yards and a touchdown and that really set him up to take over for aj green if you remember prior to the season marvin jones was getting a lot of attention as a wide receiver too he had that lingering injury that was going to miss cause him to miss the first like four weeks of the season it was and then eventually that grew into something that caused that ended his season so um as far as where to take these guys next year, though, it's going to be very tough to follow those up. I like LaFell a little bit more. Uh, Sanu is, I mean, both these guys are pretty young guys. Sanu's just 25. So there's promise, but Sanu's upside is limited if uh, A.J. Green plays a full season. I think uh, LaFell having another year uh, under Brady might even be able to uh, have a, a slightly better statistical year from the get-go. But both of these guys are they're borderline like might creep into your lineup as a wide receiver two a couple weeks. Otherwise, probably still going to be drafted as a wide receiver three because we haven't seen this consistent production out of them before, and there's little reason to expect that now. So in keeper leagues, I'm probably not uh, worrying about these guys too much because they're that type of production is replaceable in fantasy, especially if you keep listening to us uh, <laughs> over the waiver wire podcast, so you can get on top of hopefully guys like Odell Beckham, who I know we mentioned a few times there. Yeah, we certainly did waiver wire honorable mention at wide receiver martavis bryant charles johnson jarvis landry again guys that also came on pretty well this season just not quite to the point and level of the previous three moving on to tight ends jake and let's take a look at a couple of guys jake kelsey out of kansas city and delani walker from tennessee now kelsey is somebody that we did talk about quite a bit early didn't have to late because he kind of established his presence, mm-hmm. but was certainly a pickup, not somebody who got drafted very high, finished with five touchdowns, almost 800 yards receiving. And Delaney Walker, kind of sneaky good all season. We actually didn't even mention a whole lot of him, mm-hmm. uh, but he kind of creeps in here at the last moment to to be one of the top tight ends from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, you look at the final stat lines, very comparable. Kelsey, 60 catches uh, on 79 targets, so he was pretty efficient, as opposed to Delaney Walker, not quite as efficient, 56 catches on 96 targets, but the quarterback play had a little bit to do with that. Right. Uh, Walker had a uh, little bit more yardage total, 847 compared to 778, and of course, Kelsey found the end zone one time, and going back to Kelsey, his breakout game was really week four against the Patriots. He ended up with eight catches, 93 yards and a touchdown and at that point I almost raised the question like so Kelsey and Gronk they're going off (laughs) Kelsey's looking a lot better right now who do you have rest of season and of course Gronk separated himself to the point where he's arguably a top five draft pick next year he's going to go over Jimmy Graham went in this previous year's draft so uh of that kind of ran away from me a little bit but as far as that Kelsey is going to be a tight end one for a lot of owners because I have him just on the edge of the top 10 um 
in this situation. So he's a kind of a low end tight end one, but he would be a very decent backup. I think his ADP is going to end up in uh, right around the 10th round. Nine to 11 is what I penciled in here. Walker, I'm not quite as optimistic about uh, for next year because even though Walker finished as the number six tight end in PPR formats, number seven in regular formats, he's going to be on the wrong side of 30 next year. So that has something to do with it. Uh, The quarterback play is just so inconsistent in Tennessee. We don't know exactly what we're going to get. If uh, they seem to have moved on from the Jake Locker phase, but still might uh, maybe creep back to Mettenberger, see if they have anything in him or Whitehurst. And, of course, they'll be a candidate to draft a quarterback early. Who knows if they'll go in that direction or if they'll trade that pick and try to go for other pieces. But even though there's a veteran, I think that his fantasy value will be limited uh, next season and and you look at his final line like I mentioned already uh you know 556 catches 847 yards and four touchdowns you go back to week two and 10 catches 142 yards and a touchdown so a lot of that production came in just one week he was relatively consistent had a few duds afterwards but he was a serviceable tight end replacement with a little bit of a higher floor I guess you could say than a lot of the riskier guys that were happening and uh as far as looking ahead to tight ends next year, I really want to pull those guys out of the honorable mentions because I wrote down Colby Fleener, Zach Ertz, and Michael Rivera. And both of these guys definitely helped in certain, or all three of these guys helped in certain matchups this year. Right. But as far as I'm concerned, the biggest opportunity to break out next season is Zach Ertz. We saw him get 15 catches on Saturday. He was someone that I thought for sure, I was really confident and optimistic about his status going into this year as a, as a tight end in that offense. But now he's got another year under his belt. He shows that it doesn't matter if it's Foles or Sanchez throwing him the ball. I mean, maybe leans a bit towards Sanchez, but I'm sure whoever takes over next year will be comfortable with that tight end option. And, of course, Selleck will be another year older, and Ertz will be another year more experienced. So I think there's a very good chance Ertz has an opportunity to take that job out of, out of camp. And I would be actually very confident with Ertz as a top 10 tight end. If I wait on tight ends next year and have to start Ertz week one, I, I'm, I'm going to be totally fine with that just because it's a almost a system thing. We go back to the Sanchez-Nick Foles. The reason Sanchez got an honorable mention is he did have a bad game against Seattle and, and a couple other games where his interception total was high. But the volume of passes he threw allowed you owners to rack up yardage. And outside of a couple games, he threw a decent amount of touch, touchdowns too. So if you were... Considering using him in week 16, he, I mean, he had a serviceable game for a quarterback. And, and if you had the other options there, there was something to go on. But uh, not to get too far off track here, as far as tight ends go, Ertz is good. I also like Colby Fleener for next year, although he's more the between the 20 guys and right. Dwayne Allen is the red zone guy. Dwayne Allen has been hurt. Uh, and missed time with injury both la- this season and he missed significant time last e- season. And, and, and the season before this one, he, Fleener wasn't really able to take advantage of the opportunity, but it'll be his third year, those Stanford boys together, Luck and Fleener in the NFL. And uh, I think he will creep into low-end tight end one territory this year. So not quite as optimistic with Walker, although fantasy owners that had him this year um, surely took advantage and reaped a lot of the benefits. But uh, just want to throw out a couple suggestions for next week. And even with Ertz, the way he just came on at the end of the season, especially with that big game Saturday, if you're playing week 17, I think he is probably a decent option for you because they might start to uh, revert back to some of those old tendencies. It was successful pounding him the ball. He was able to get open. He he saw a much higher volume and role in the passing game than Selleck. So, uh, that, so I think that he'll be able to uh, really get you going in week 17 and possibly next year. 
maybe a long shot, shot keeper candidate if you get to keep five or more keepers and, and took him in the very late rounds. So absolutely something to think about uh, moving forward for next year. There's my little Zach Ertz rant, and, and that's all <laughs> I've got for tight ends today. Uh, and that's pretty much all the positions we're going to cover from this kind of waiver wire award presentation we were going through today. But, Jake, I want to real quickly, before we wrap things up, put you on the spot a little bit because I know you look at numbers from a fantasy standpoint extensively, more so than a lot of our listeners and a lot of others, others in the industry do. Is there anything when you look back at how this season unfolded, again, from a fantasy perspective, anything that jumped out at you, whether it was surprising or it came to fruition that, like you expected, just what maybe from that question jumps into, into your mind? Well, I have a couple big takeaways from this season. One is you can't always count on the bounce back season. And I learned that lesson the hard way with guys like uh, CJ Spiller and Doug Martin, who thinking ahead of time, like, oh, at, at a fourth round value, th- that's an excellent value. And um, But of course, that didn't quite pan out. Both of those guys dealt with their fair share of injuries, and neither of them are moving up draft boards at all for next season. But uh, another big takeaway going into next year is, uh, I mean, you got, you got to watch possibly some injured guys that... Uh, coming back that might have some more that might have some value that was the case with Macklin he was able to really um rebound and, and of course you always have to watch the player age and and take a look at at what type of position there is but uh he uh, Macklin took a lot of teams to the playoffs and possibly helped uh a lot of uh owners win their league especially in the early goings of the season so right. uh, just takeaways like that and another big one that I found is uh Early in the season, uh, Chris Liss wrote about it. So did our own Peter Schenke, a couple of Roto-Wire names, if you're familiar with us. Uh, they talked about this punting running back strategy, which is counterintuitive to uh, fantasy football strategy in general. And the, the strategy basically went with your first two picks, you would take two wide receivers. So, you know, maybe target Des Bryant, Jordy Nelson, or Elshon Jeffrey, Julio Jones, and then kind of start to build your pieces and then once you get to rounds maybe six seven kind of fire off four or five running back picks in a row and the strategy behind that is you want to take backups rookies with high upside or just you, you want to take guys that maybe don't have the job locked down yet but could be likely to get it so at that point people using that strategy may have stumbled themselves across guys like mark ingram and um Jeremy Hill would have been another one. Trey Mason would have been another one. You take those rookies with upside, and they end up paying off. So they didn't always pay off right away, but they eventually got there. Of course, on the flip side, you could have ended up with Devontae Freeman or Terrence West. Maybe it didn't work out so hot. Um, But, of course, even if that was the case, you know then going ahead to next season that you need to jump on these waivers right away. So uh, one of my big mistakes this season is I – I, I waited. I was almost too patient with my team, thinking, being so confident that I was right to start with, that I wasn't ready to cut bait with people when I needed to pick up guys like C.J. Anderson, Jeremy Hill, Justin Forsett, Trey right. Mason, even Matt Asiata, one of the honorable mentions. He's grown into a bigger role and been productive for the Vikings. And uh, Brandon Oliver was one guy I jumped on. He maybe won you a matchup or two, but wasn't a long-term solution. Same thing with Andre Williams. So that strategy has proven to be a very viable one. I'm not recommending going out and doing it in every single league, but if you want to try something different, see how it works for you, see if you can master it, maybe try it in one league next year because 
Running backs are one of the most volatile positions in the National Football League. You had, I mean, Le'Veon Bell finished first among running backs scoring. DeMarco Murray, who was a mid-second to possibly third-round pick, was the second running back score. And then you have Forsett, C.J. Anderson, and Jeremy Hill rounding out your top 10 pretty much. So if you have almost half of your top 10 as relative unknowns, that makes this punting running backs a viable strategy. So I just wanted to revisit that topic one more time. It kind of brings us full circle with where we started in the in the fantasy right. season and uh, kind of recaps how that strategy may have went for you. And uh, it it happened in a couple leagues. I watched Chris Liss winner of Las Vegas or come in second place by two points in our Las Vegas <laughs> league using that strategy. And, uh, it's very viable. It's worth a try in at least one of your leagues and, uh, you know, something to consider. If you can hit on those sleepers, you are golden. Final get-to-know-your-host segment as uh, Jake and I wrap up these Tuesday editions of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. And, Jake, it's the holiday season. What is your drink of choice? Now, I'm going to do something that is a little bit off and not so expected. It's more of a family tradition. Is uh, My father makes uh, – he usually makes either – I think the common one up in Wisconsin is brandy slush. But uh, you can do vodka slush too, and it's basically you, you cook those juice things, and, and you, you know you add your booze, and eventually you put it in an in an empty gallon ice cream container, right. and you freeze it, and you scoop it with an ice cream scooper into your glass, and you mix it with like squirt or fifty fifty or something like that, and that's just been a very uh, it's it's a family kind of tradition. Everyone's always Randy when you're making slush and and that <laughs> kind of deal, and uh, e- even in other parts of the year that seeps so. I think that that's probably one of my favorites. Of course, uh, the cold weather, I, I always uh, like a little bit of whiskey neat, uh, something like that, maybe a nice Irish whiskey, maybe something not quite uh, Ron Swanson with my Lagavulin, <laughs> but uh, you, you know, something like that to keep me warm. But uh, do you have a favorite drink, Adam? I do. I'm not much of an eggnog guy, but uh, here in Wisconsin, uh, and maybe those of you listening in Minnesota, those two states really only uh, really understand what a good old fashioned is, mm-hmm. and that, that's my family's kind of uh, traditional go to drink. So, uh, the right the right combination of uh, the ingredients there uh, can make for an outstanding holiday drink. So that's kind of the the Eichstead, uh the drink of mm-hmm. choice there. So, I uh, want to wish everybody a happy holidays, Merry yep. Christmas, uh, and all that goes with. It. Hope you and yours enjoy the season and uh, have a chance to sit back, relax, take in some football, of course. And I uh, also want to thank all of you for listening into the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast all season long, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. A reminder you can use the promo code Rotowire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. And also for free, you can check out Rotowire for 10 days. Go to Rotowire.com slash pod jake it's been a pleasure working with you all season Mm -hmm. looking forward to doing it again in 2015 yeah absolutely can't wait for next year adam you've been a great host and uh most of all thanks to our listeners for uh for putting up with us uh the the, uh (laughs) goods and the bads yeah a lot of (laughs) a lot of ups a lot of downs this season but hopefully you uh picked up some of those guys that we mentioned today and were able to be successful this season well again for jake letarski i'm adam eichstead have a great holiday season a reminder clay and dvr they'll be back with you for our final episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. It comes your way Friday, January 2nd.